This is episode number 195 with founder of OurLadies.org, Gabriela De Queros. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today, and now let's make the complex simple. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Very excited to have you on the show. And today we've got a super exciting guest, Gabriela De Caras, joining us. Gabriela is best known for founding the organization which is called OurLadies.org and in general we talk about women in data science and how uh, this diversity gap is closing and how more and more women are getting into this space. In addition, Gabriella has of course had a very interesting career of her own in data science. She's worked both in development and in data science. She's worked in small startups and large companies. For instance, right now Gabriella is working at IBM. Uh, Gabriella regularly presents on data science. Just this year, she's done 13 presentations and actually she's coming to Data Science Go and uh, that will be her 14th or 15th presentation. So we're very, very excited about that. And that's another reason why I'm so excited to bring this podcast to you today. Without further ado, I bring to you Gabriella DeCaros, founder of OurLadies.org. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Very excited to have you on the show. And today we've got a super interesting guest, Gabriela De Queros. Gabriela, welcome to the show. How are you going today? I'm doing great. Uh, what about yourself? Awesome, awesome. I'm in a very fantastic mood because I just woke up and and we were just like discussing just before the podcast with all these animals. Like there's there's a rooster near me somewhere. There's a donkey, and we're trying to record a podcast without having all those interferences. This is going to be fun. Uh, what about you, Gabriela? Like, you're uh, in uh, San Francisco, correct? Yeah, I am in San Francisco, uh, in the city. Mm-hmm. More more precisely, in the mission. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm aware all the restaurants are located and a lot wow. of interesting things going on here. Wow. Is, that, is that far from Union Square? Uh, it's not, you know, San Francisco is pretty small, like mm-hmm. if you, you know, so uh, you cannot walk, walk, it's, it's a little far, but if you take, um, if you drive, it's like 15 minutes. And, uh, but originally, where are you from originally? So I'm from Brazil, so I'm from Rio de Janeiro, and I moved here almost six years ago. So from Rio de Janeiro to San Francisco. But why'd you move? What's the, what was the reason? Uh, so it was professional. Um, so things in Brazil were, you know, pretty bad. And um, I was looking for a change. So I came to San Francisco to do my second master's. Uh, and, and, and here I am. I've, I've never left. So And I, I don't think I'm going back to Brazil, at least to leave, only to visit. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And uh, what was the sec- What was your first and second masters in? 
So my first one was in epidemiology. Mm. So uh, it was like I did my bachelor in statistics and I was working with uh, air pollution, air pollution data and the, and the effects on, on people's health. Uh, so I said, you know, like it's very natural for me to go to epidemi- epidemiology. So it was like a, a statistics applied to public health. And when I moved here, I wanted to go back to statistics. So I did my second master's in statistics. And then you decided to stay. Then I decided to stay and then I became a data scientist, right? Because uh, all the statisticians <laughs> uh, became a data scientist. So I was uh, a statistician before and then uh, I, I became a data scientist. Wonderful. And, and also you are the founder of Our Ladies, the inter- like a multi-location group with many chapters, group for ladies in the our programming space. Yeah, so uh, I have an interesting story uh, behind Our Ladies. So if you don't know about Our Ladies, Our Ladies is uh, a worldwide organization to promote uh, gender diversity in the art community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I moved here uh, six years ago, I was amazed by like how many resource, resources we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I learned so much. I was going to meet up. So uh, in San Francisco, there there is this, I don't know if it's a fever, but like there are a lot of meetups. So like every day there are several meetups about anything that you can think of. Like it can be data science, it can be like hiking, it can be, mm. I don't know, Brazilian music. Uh, so so anyway, so I was going to meetups almost every day mm-hmm. uh, once I got here. And, and I learned a lot, I learned a lot for free. Uh, and then I got to a point where I, I was like, you know, I've been learning a lot for free, it's my time to give back to the community. And, and I was thinking of like the things that I knew that I could learn, that I could teach other people. So I knew R. I was using R for a few years. Uh, and then that's how Our Ladies was born. Uh, but the, the idea also was like, I didn't want to create a general, general R group. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, my idea was to create a place where I could see myself in the audience, where I could feel safe and, you know, uh, without any judgments, where I could ask questions and learn and share with others. So that's how Our Ladies was born. Mm -hmm. And and now we have a lot of chapters all over the world. Uh, I would say that we have over, I don't know, maybe 130 130 chapters in in 39 countries, which is amazing. Wow, congratulations. That's, that is amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. And it's not like about the numbers, but it's like all the impact that the meetup, you know, it's causing on, on people's like professional life mm. or personal life. So it's, it's pretty rewarding to, to watch mm-hmm. people growing or uh, to, to, to hear their stories. Uh, so yeah, it's been it's it's been an amazing journey. That is so cool. And um, you, uh, I'm just looking at you on your LinkedIn. It says that over twenty thousand 
women have attended your Our Ladies meetups. That that isn't that's a huge amount number, and it's probably already yeah. growing from there. Yeah. So uh, that number, uh, the way we uh, we calculate this number is we use the meetup.com website. Mm-hmm. So it's it, the number is is all the members in all the chapters that mm-hmm. we have. Um, and we use, which is pretty cool, it's another thing, It's uh, we use a package that we developed mm-hmm. uh, inside Our Ladies uh, called Meetup R. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a R package that connects to the Meetup API. Mm-hmm. So all the data, we can get all the data from all the chapters using this package. Uh, so we've created, we created a few uh, shiny apps using this API and yeah, so that's that's, that's so we, cool. So yeah. using using our programming to analyze our ladies, uh, the group that is that data, is, yeah, <laughs> the uh, yeah, very cool, self fulfilling prophecy, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also um, on the podcast before we had Lucy uh, D'Agostino McGowan, uh, she actually introduced us, and she is uh, she's the head of an our ladies chapter. Is that correct? Right. Which, which right? She she, uh, she she's the organized uh, Nashville. Nashville. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. So so how does somebody become an organizer of an Our Ladies chapter? So uh, the first step is just send us an email at uh, the email. It's info at ourladies.org. Mm-hmm. And then you say, uh, I'm interested in, in starting a chapter in my city. There is no chapter here in my city. And and then we have a person, uh, who Laura from Buenos Aires, who is responsible for onboarding all, all the new chapters. And we have a good onboarding process. So, so we provide all the resources that the person needs to start the chapter. So that's pretty much it. You don't have to do anything other than sending us an email. And then after that, it's like just organizing the meetups, chapters or events. So. Oh, we... oh, you mean, okay, I got you. So a chapter, a chapter can have multiple events. Throughout. Okay, gotcha. Um... Exactly. So, so for example, I can give an example in San Francisco, uh, you know, the chapter of San Francisco, we have monthly events. So every month we have a tutorial or a talk. So um, a while back ago, we had Aaron Liddell talking about RML and H2O. Uh, we had a talk by Hadley Wickham. Um, we had a tutorial on deep learning and R. Mm-hmm. So yeah, gotcha. so several so, different events. Okay, so like about once a month. But I mean like, how many new chapters are opening up per year? Like, uh, you know, you said you have a really great onboarding process to open new chapters. <laughs> Just curious how quickly you guys are growing. Yeah, that's a good question. I was doing this number uh, for, for a talk that I gave, I, I gave last, last week. <laughs> By the uh, way, guys, know. listening to this, sorry, Gabriela. Gabriela has given 13 <laughs> talks this just this year. It's crazy. Congratulations, Gabriela. That's a huge number of talks. And, and yet this is your very first podcast. So... I'm I'm very humbled, and uh, uh, it's it's now my goal to make sure you have a great experience. So you give thirteen pod- podcasts <laughs> next year. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't I don't have the the, the numbers uh, on the top of my head, but I can tell you something funny or interesting. Uh, when we were applying for funding, mm-hmm. we totally underestimated the number of chapters for you know we we did like a three years uh forecast yeah because based on that we would say you know we did more money or or less money and we were totally you know underestimated we were totally off so (laughs) so yeah that's crazy so so you became more popular than you anticipated so it's a good problem to have isn't it yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good problem, and 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 then it brings a it brings us a new uh, challenge, which is you know how do you keep people engaged mm-hmm. in the community? So like, how do you make sure that all the chapters are active, that they ne- they have everything that they need to keep moving, right? So it's a different challenge. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Um... Okay, wow, that uh, sounds like a very um, interesting or very strong passion of yours. And at the same time, it probably does take a lot of time. What goes into your day-to-day to make sure that all these chapters worldwide are running smoothly and efficiently? Yeah, so it does require a lot of my work. Not my work, but like uh, I have a team. So we have uh, a leadership team, which is five people. Uh, uh, myself, Aaron Landell from San Francisco, and three other people from London. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are the lead leadership team. We are five. And then we have other people helping us. Uh, Laura helping with onboarding. Uh, B helping on, on the website. And then we have Mael, who is responsible for Twitter. So, um, yeah, so we have a good a good uh, team right now. It's quite a big uh, but team. It does, yeah, but it does take like today we had a call and our call, uh, we were in a call for over two hours, two wow. and a half hours, the leadership team talking about issues and uh, things that we need to solve, issues with local chapters, problems. Uh, so, yes, it, it, takes <laughs> a, it, it takes some time. Yeah, well, that's, but it's it's a great way, uh, I think, I, I would say, uh, t- correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say it's it's a great way to give back, and you feel like a purpose, right? You feel that you're helping people, and it's always it's all the efforts spent on something like that are always worthwhile because at the end of the day, you look back and you're like, wow, we've helped you know twenty thousand people, um, or people in in forty different countries to get more knowledge about our programming and progress their skills and careers. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the reason why I I didn't give up throughout the years when I was uh, doing Our Ladies by myself. So, uh, you know, I I don't care about numbers. I care about changing people's lives, right? So, Okay. Uh, Let's let's talk about that a little bit. So, uh, for for our listeners on the podcast, um, like both you and I, we, we can agree and attest that like it is worthwhile the effort of giving back to people if tony robbins has a quote that the secret to living is giving when you give back whether it doesn't have to always be money some people think that you you can only give back through charity or through monetary like giving back to so many different ways and especially 
if you give back w with what you're passionate about, so if you are a data scientist or are in power programming or Python or you know visualization, whatever you're doing as a data scientist, you're good at it and you love it. And if you give back that way, you're gonna feel you know double the effect because first of all, when when as Eric Weber says, when uh, no sorry, I think it was Randy that Randy Lau gave me this quote that when two when uh, one one teaches to learn, like you're learning as you're oh, yeah. teaching, right? And also at the same time you're helping somebody else. So you feel extremely satisfied or, you know, just like fulfilled from the process. So for the purpose of our listeners, like where do you get started? Like how do you, how do you actually give back, even on a small scale, even if you want to just help five people or even one person, how do you do that in the space of data science? Yeah, so um, it doesn't take a lot. So even if it's like a small, uh, I don't know, school club where we have two other friends or another person. I, I, I always say that, you know, if, uh, if you have a, only one person watching or, or sitting in the audience, that's enough. Yeah. Right. So uh, you don't, you don't have to expect a lot of people like one person. It's, it's good enough. And, and, and so uh, our ladies kind of like uh, ha happened that way. So the first meetup uh, here in San Francisco, um, only eight people showed up. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, it, we don't have a lot of people showing up every, every, every event. We have around, I would say, 20, mm -hmm. maybe 15. Mm -hmm. So it's not a lot, a lot. It's kind of like the same for all the years. And, and that's, that's okay. So uh, I think if you, if, if there is something that you are passionate about, something that you care, something that you, you know, you feel that it's, uh, you want to give back, that's, that's enough. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't take much. So again, it can be like a very small club, a school club, or it can be a meetup.com um, uh, event, or it can be, I don't know, there are so many things that you can do. It can mm -hmm. be... Uh, some blog posts that you are doing and yeah. you can have people to collaborate with you. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very true. And, uh, you know, like maybe go and, um, present it at one of the, our ladies chapters or maybe start in our ladies chapter or, or start your own type of meetup on meetup.com. Or as you say, even writing a blog post, which is, which a few people see, even a few people see that's already giving back and helping others. Exactly. Okay, that's that's wonderful. And what about mentorship? So mentorship is probably the next step from there. One, once you're more confident in that you have something, um, I'd say that you have some something really sorted out in your life, whether it's uh, like how to build a career or how to learn statistics or how to um, present to people or collect data. Like some 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 parts have be you've done it so many times that you're very good at it and you have like a vision for it. Then you can start sharing it, not just like sharing it and like people learn. Because when you, when you just share with people, they, they learn and then they augment it in their own way and so on. But with mentorship, it's kind of more personalized where you actually help, you guide people and you help them with their questions and answers. You have enough experience to accommodate any kind of questions or m most kind of questions that they might have in this space. Would you agree that that's kind of like what mentor mentorship is all about? Yeah, exactly. And... Uh... And, you know, you, you also learn a lot because each person has a different background and a different 
technical. Uh, so it could it can be like uh, like a technical uh, concept, or it can be like uh, can you help me with my 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 resume, or how can I become a data scientist? What are the resources that you recommend? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's broader, right? So. And I've been doing this for a while. Uh, first, I was doing as more like formal uh, in two different data science boot camps. One is called uh, Springboard, mm-hmm. and the other one uh, is called Galvanize. So I, I did. I was a mentor in both uh, schools for a while, uh, and now I do like more informal mentorship. I have a few people that I mentor. And we have regular calls uh, with not a not a formal agenda. It's more like a chat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Nice, very nice. And um, it, it uh, like what's in it for you? That's that's an often a question where I feel people who are looking for mentors should start with that. Like, what is in it, in it for the person who is doing the mentorship? Like, why are you doing this? Are, are you learning anything yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm learning uh, about uh, what kind of projects they are working on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like sometimes they are developing some methodology that I have no idea. uh, And I ask them to guide me through to explain me Mm -hmm. uh, what they are doing. Uh, And and also like uh, coming from different backgrounds. So there is a learning uh, piece on that. So people coming from different countries, uh, I learned about the culture. Uh, people f- coming from uh, a different uh, background, different from me, I also learn. Uh, yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. So uh, you, you gotcha. And uh, how would you recommend for our listeners, for somebody who's looking for a mentor, where would you say for them to look for one, for, for them to get started? Because, for instance, I personally get quite a, a lot of messages, people saying, hey, Kirill, you know, like you talk about mentorship, how do I find a mentor? What, what do I do to, you know, like, find the right person for me? And Like, I don't, maybe I don't have somebody like that at work, or I don't, uh, I don't know anybody off the top of my head. Where would they get started? Uh, you can try to reach out the person. The problem is if there is no connection at all, it's going to be hard for the mentor. You know, like we, as a mentor, we have a very busy, not as a mentor, but as a person yeah, uh, yeah. that work, that has a full-time job and then side projects, we have a very busy agenda. Yeah. So it's not easy like to, to send that cold email, but I think it has to have, it has to have some kind of connection. Um, uh, um, either like knowing knowing someone that knows you or mm-hmm. having someone to introduce you to this person and yeah i don't have i don't have a a very good answer for that one uh but for me it's more like it ha- it has to to have some kind of connection uh, okay. but i can i can yeah it's it's hard to as accept all the requests that we get, right? Otherwise, yeah. I, I would be doing this uh, full time. And you would be doing uh, a I, disservice to the people, right? Because if you have, <laughs> if you're mentoring fifty different people, then you're not uh, actually helping anybody because your your time is like all spread out and you're chaotically running around. 
Right. And I still need to learn uh, in my, you know, like the way that I'm giving back. Also, it's like I'm learning on my, my on my job. Yeah. Right. So then I can mentor people based on my previous experience and my current experience. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but what about this? What about like, let's say, let's, let's do a hypothetical scenario. Let's say that I am um, looking for a mentor. And obviously, like at the start, I don't have uh, any anything to to say like I don't even have a connection with you but then I go and write a blog post I record five YouTube videos I uh, present at three meetups and then I just when I message you I don't say hey look I need a mentor I say hey look um, uh, Gabriella I'm uh, I'm uh, very passionate about data science I wrote this blog post uh, and I've rec recorded five YouTube videos and I've presented at these meetups and I'm really passionate about the work that you do. Um, would you mind, you know, giving me some comments on this new blog post that I'm writing? I'd love your opinion on that. How would you, you know, how would you feel about that as opposed to somebody coming up to you and saying, hey, would you be my mentor? Uh, I think it's a better approach, even though like you don't have to, you know, have several blog posts or YouTube video. I think it's it can be too much but like but it's something to show me you know like uh it's like i have the, my goal is uh can you revise uh my blog post so you have a goal in mind yeah. because some people uh they they approach and they say oh can you be my mentor and exactly. i'm like yeah you know like what are you looking for i need i need to have more information yeah and and i unfortunately i don't have the time to research about, to do research about you so you have to tell me beforehand uh, i'm looking for this and this and this and i think it would be great if i can take you know 10 minutes of your time or or have a coffee with you yeah uh but yeah like, so it's, it's it, a, yeah, yeah no it's a different approach right yeah exactly so. and it's like when you come up when you start off a goal it doesn't even have to be like i want a coffee with you it, it can be like can you help me out with this little thing? You know, this tiny little thing, like baby steps. Uh, you know, I was re I was watching this a cool video. Um, uh, Martin from my team shared it with me, and it's uh, about the power of persuasion. And there's like six steps on how to persuade people, obviously ethically and 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 ju just like the art of your communication on how to com connect with people and persuade them to help you or you know, take, take up something that, um, you know, something that is going to be beneficial for them and things like that. So, and one of the steps is like, people are more, much more likely to commit to something if they've already uh, made a commitment, a, a, a small commitment in that space. And I think that that concept is called continuity. So if uh, they were giving the example that if, uh, if you come up to a person and say, hey, can you put this driving, you know, like driving safely a big sign in your front lawn so people drive safely well like a few people will say yes but if you beforehand you ask the person hey can you put this little sticker on your window like tiny little sticker drive safely and then a week later you ask them to put that big sign on their lawn like four times more people will say yes so this is the whole concept here is like start your mentorship approach with a small tiny commitment that you ask can you review a blog post can you you know, give me some feedback on this. And then, like, that's how you build the connection. That's what, how you go, where you right. go from there. Okay. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's a great approach. Mm. Yeah, so hopefully that will be helpful for some of our listeners. Thank you so much for sharing on 
on mentorship, I wanted to switch, uh, switch a little bit here and talk about your career. So we talked about like giving back and our ladies and mentorship uh, and uh, meetups and, and lots of very exciting things that people can and should take part in. But let's talk a bit more about you. You've had a very exciting, very interesting career journey, not, you know, uh, not even um, like even talking about like moving from one country to another. But on top of that, you've worked in different companies. Tell us a bit about that. Like you have uh, you've done two masters, I believe. And uh, yes. like we, we talked about that already. And uh, where did that go from there? Where did you go from there? Yeah, so uh, uh, when I was in Brazil, back in Brazil, uh, I did some interesting, uh, I, I had some interesting jobs. So one of the first jobs, which was during my, my college time, mm -hmm. uh, was uh, I was a music uh, producer. Wow, so, <laughs> so, that is so cool. It's a, it's a, it's a very unique uh, time in my life. I was I was not sure what I want to do, so I I I, I thought I want to become a, a sound sound engineer. So I, I got involved with music and 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 then I started learning how to you know like how to go and book a concert for the bands and, and do all the accounting and, and go to the newspaper uh, to, you know, to announce, oh, the band is playing there. Can you have a little note in this section, in the, this new, in the newspaper talking about the band and the new album? So, uh, so I did that for a while. And, and in parallel, I was a private tutor. So I was tutor. So I was uh, teaching high school kids uh on math physics mm. and chemistry so that's where like it's interesting because uh, a lot of things that i do today like 10 10 12 15 years later it's very related to what i did in in the beginning of my career so uh, the thing about giving talks and, and presentations uh it's very related to the the time where i was a producer and then teaching others uh, goes back in time when I was a tutor. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it's so, interesting how the loop closes up, right? Like those experiences, <laughs> you'd never think they would benefit you, but you extract some value out of them and the most important skills you carry forward. Totally. And it, and it was not related to my, you know, the career path mm. or the formal career path, you know, that I, would, I was expecting to to follow uh, and then and then for a few years I was a statistician doing research uh, in Brazil um, working with the air pollution data that I mentioned before and we also had a, a, another cool project called EPR and that was like back in 2018 Oh, not 18, 2008, so 10 years ago. <laughs> where are <Yeah>. we today? <laughs> <laughs> 10 years ago where uh, the idea, the problem was I was uh, I was working with R, but R, by that, back that time, we didn't have our studio mm. or any other tools, so uh, it was very hard to use R, especially, oh, if, you, especially if you didn't have a... a, a background in programming so it was very very tough to to learn r um and 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 we were working with people uh from uh from the health sector 
And then we decided to create uh, a GUI mm-hmm. uh, using R in the back end. But what's the front a, a end, it's a, it's a graphical user interface. It's like an IDE. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And, and, and we were in Brazil at that time. So, uh, but then the idea was to have a, a GUI in Portuguese. Mm. And, and, and you didn't have to know how to write our functions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, a kind of like a drop-down menu, kind of like uh, SPSS, mm-hmm. you know, where, like, let's say you, wanna, you want to do some exploration in your data, then you would go to the menu and then data and then explore. Yeah. And then the next step would be I want to analyze my data. So we'd go, you would go to the menu, analyze uh, linear regression, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a very cool project, open source. Uh, and and uh, how, I was did it, working how did it go? It was very good. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the project ended because mm-hmm. uh, we we. We ran out of funding. Hmm. Uh, that, and, that, yeah. and that's the, what I want to say is that, uh, like, uh, some people who are listening to this might be thinking, oh, well, you know, the project ended, that's, that's the end of the story. I'm actually listening and I'm very excited because for me, I learned from the failed projects or the projects that, like, I was super passionate about but I never completed. I learned at least as much as the ones that are successful. Like, personally, if, uh, you know, if there's something that I'm, I'm really excited to work on, really excited to do. But unfortunately, you know, something comes up, you know, some, I create, uh, I work on something else later, or um, then I realize that this might have not been the, you know, the best, this best project. I still learn a ton. Like, I, I think you'd agree. Like, did you learn a lot during that project? Totally, yeah. Uh, I learned so much. Uh, we we were working on the documentation, so I I learned statistics because I had to write there we go. the documentation. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, and then uh, we were using other tools that I had no idea before. Yeah. So it was a very, a great experience. Uh, no regrets at all. Uh, Exactly, and it, it's kind of like some. Sometimes it happens, you know, like you, you don't have uh, fundings, and then you have to stop the project and move on to a different yeah. project. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and uh, along the way, like you also you learn things that that you didn't know before, and they open new doors, or you meet people that you didn't know before, and they open new opportunities as well. So, by like my why I'm saying all this is that for listeners out there. Fear of failures is a massive uh, issue. Like when you like when you have a big project ahead or something exciting you'd want to work on, but you're not sure if it's the best thing, best investment of your time and life, and maybe there's other opportunities to look into. Like just don't if you're really excited about it and you really uh, think that you will learn along the way. Don't worry about whether it's going to be successful or not. Just dive straight into it. Have fun and. When the time is right, it will either become successful or you will open a new door which you would have never, ever opened before. Otherwise, if you had not done this project. Right. Uh, There is a a good quote by a friend of mine. And she says, you know, there is no failure, only feedbacks. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it. So that's how I, I... you know, I see things. There is, it's not a failure. It's like there is feedback and I'm learning from it and let's move on. Fantastic. I love that quote. Where there's no failure, 
I'm actually writing down only feedback. <laughs> feedback. Awesome. Um, okay. Okay. Cool. So you were uh, in Brazil and you were working on on these exciting projects. What happened next? Then I moved to the to San Francisco and um, and the first job that I that I got was a TA, so a teach, teaching assistant at at San Francisco State University, uh, and I was helping the, the professor uh, in a class, in an information design class. So it was inside the design department. Oh, wow. uh, but I was, <laughs> he was teaching data visualization, like infographics. Yeah. Uh, and they were all designers, but they needed someone to help them on uh, pre-processing the data so they could visualize. So uh-huh. uh, we... Or we and they would do uh, the data pre-processing in R, and then they would do like a plot, uh, a draft plot in ggplot, and then they would export uh, to either Illustrator or Photoshop to make an infographic. Uh, so it, it was a great experience. I was there for only a few months, uh, and 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 then after that, I. I got a job as a data scientist in a very small company uh, startup, and I was there for a few years um, working. Um, they had they had an enterprise software, mm-hmm. so I was working on the on their software, uh, creating documentation, knowledge repo, uh, helping customers. Uh, yeah, so I was there for again, two, three years. And then I moved on to a different company where I was the only data scientist, which was a very, uh, very unique and interesting experience. Uh, I was working with 20 plus engineers and I was the only data scientist mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of the, the engineers. Oh, wow. Um, that, that's, that's pretty crazy. Um, I'd actually yeah. like to talk a bit more about that. Like, what is it like? Because I've been in a uh, situation where I'm the only data scientist, and it's very different to when you're in a team of data scientists. Tell us a bit about that. Like, how how did you feel being the only data scientist in in a company which which isn't that small? Like you said, twenty engineers. That's that's already quite a big team. Yeah, the company itself uh, they had 170 people. Wow. Uh, so. 25 engineers, uh, one data scientist. So it was tough in the beginning uh, because uh, people didn't know what you were doing there. So uh, they were like, oh, we have a lot of data. So you are done, right? You have all this data. You can analyze. You can create models. And we are good. And when I got there, all the data was in a format or in a place that I could not access easily. Mm. So my first six months was about creating data pipeline so I could use data. Uh, so I was working with engineers like uh, in my team to help me creating this data mm. pipeline. Wow. And, and, then in, and then in the meantime, uh, because again, people didn't know uh, what was my workflow, I... Uh, I gave some talks internally explaining what is the data science workflow, how 
a data scientist is different from a software engineer. Mm. Uh, what is the, the process? Uh, how long each project usually takes? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it was a education as well as my, my data science work, analyzing data. That's, that's very interesting. Do you mind sharing some of that uh, knowledge with us? Like what, uh, what can you tell our listeners about the data science workflow or a data pipeline? What are the most important components that you see in a business? Just like a, as a brief overview of these concepts. Yeah, so, the, so for example, our, uh, the way that our project is structured, it's, it's a little bit different from a soft engineer where uh, they, they build something and then, then they fix bugs. Yeah. Uh, so the, the cycle, it's very short where a data scientist, you know, you can spend days and days exploring the data and then you create a model and your model doesn't work, then you have to go back mm-hmm. uh, and do some tuning. So you spend a good chunk of your time working on the same problem where the soft engineer, they, uh, they create something, they fix some bugs, they move on, go to the next one, and then they keep... Uh, fixing and, 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 and building things. Uh, so, uh, so that's the main difference. It's like timing. And, and some, sometimes like your project, you need to reevaluate your project or your model. Um, so it's, it's very hard to, uh, to set a time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, like this is going to take me three days or a week. Yeah. Uh, so, so I, I remember, uh, when we were sitting down discussing about, uh, what, what are we going, what we are going to do in the next sprint in the next two weeks, for example, you know, they would say, Oh, this will take me three hours. This will take me eight hours. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, I don't know, I <laughs> cannot, I can, I, I cannot tell like how many hours this is going to take me. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. And so, um, would you say like, but when, when people do need to estimate, how would you recommend, uh, because sometimes uh, like the answer, I don't know, will, will be a sufficient, but sometimes stakeholders especially if you're like working as a consultant they will want to know like um how much they're going to be paying for this so um right is there any other ballparks yeah then you have to be very specific Mm -hmm. uh in like kind of like doing a step by step like being instead of like being general being very specific Mm. uh and then and then you can create an estimate okay so as in like Data data extraction from this tool will take me seven hours. Data uh, blending with this uh, source will take me three hours. Then data pre-processing will take me two hours. Then this will take me this. And and I would actually also recommend to add on top of that, you know, at least, at the very least, an extra 10%. I, ideally, I would add an extra 50% of time because <laughs> you never know where things are going to go wrong. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, okay, very, very interesting. So that was you working as the only data scientist. And um, did the data science team grow from there? Did it become more than one data scientist or did they keep it at one data scientist? No. No, okay. Only me. <laughs> and then w- when I left, 
when I left the company, I don't think they hired a oh. new data scientist. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sure you, you had, that was a great experience though, to like be the only data scientist and like uh, educate people and learn a lot from, from that type of work as well. Um, you mentioned as one of the topics that uh, you wanted to talk about is working as startups. Is, is, is this working as startups or is there another start like a, or you don't consider this one working as startup? Uh, I do consider, uh, I, I usually consider uh, companies as startups when uh, they, they still need funding uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and they are in, in the small side. So this one, we were, I don't remember which round of funding we were by that yeah. time, but we still needed uh, funding to survive. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Understand. Um, and now you're, you've got an exciting role. You are a senior developer at IBM. Congratulations. You've been there four months. How, how's it going? Yeah, uh, it's been great. Uh, so it's been three months. Three months. Oh, Actually, sorry. I'm just looking at, at, your, at your LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, it's June, July, August. So three months. Okay. Three months. Uh, yeah. 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 I, uh, so you're so, a developer in the like senior developer, deep learning, machine learning, AI advocate. Very interesting uh, move. Like usually people move from developers to data science. You moved from data science to developer, but at the same time, you looks like you preserved your focus on these um, deep learning, machine learning, AI, like uh, cutting edge technology. Tell us a bit about that. Like why did you make that move? Very interesting career. Yeah. Yeah, there there are two interesting move, moves. Uh, not only the the role itself, but mm -hmm. for a bigger company. So mm -hmm. I was used to work in very small companies, uh, thirty, a hundred, a hundred and fifty people, and then I moved to IBM, mm -hmm. which they have over I don't know three hundred thousand. They have a lot of employees, yeah. like offices all over the world. Uh, so I really wanted to experience. Uh, working uh, in a large corporation. Uh, I want to see, you know, if I like it or mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. uh, so then I can say, oh, yeah, you know, I tried this and I didn't like. So I, I'm the kind of person that I, I like to try things out. And then later they can say, oh, yeah, this I like it, this I didn't like. Mm -hmm. um, so first of all, so big company, IBM, and then um, the role uh, I wanted to be in a role where I could learn, mm -hmm. you know, the new technologies and all the new things that people uh, are developing. So deep learning, there are a lot of developments going on. Uh, I'm still doing uh, data science uh, in a different way because we don't have our, I'm not analyzing our our own data, but I'm like, I'm talking about data science. Mm -hmm. uh, and also this role is combining my uh, outreach, community, uh, advocacy mm -hmm. uh, side. Mm -hmm. uh, so now I'm, I combined my data science background and then my Our Ladies work into one job. Interesting. Where before Our Ladies... Yeah, where before our ladies and all the community uh, outreach was my side project, now it's part of my uh, 
my full-time job. Wow, that sounds like a very yes. interesting role. Do you, do you know if that uh, existed uh, previously at IBM or did they create it just for you? Because it sounds like a very tailored role that fits exactly your skills. Yeah, uh, this is uh, already um, a role that they have at IBM. Um, and they have in different companies. I see uh, Microsoft, uh, they have developer advocate, kind of like a similar role. Mm-hmm. Uh, other companies, uh, I'm, it's, I'm blanking now, but there are several companies doing this. Uh, but the, the, the thing that they did, uh, my team, it's more, it's very technical. They do some community and outreach, uh, but they are more focused on developing, uh, developing uh, new deep learning models or, contributing to open source. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the, the, the role was a little bit tailored uh, by what I've been doing in okay. the past. And so, so tell us a bit more, because I've never heard about a role like that, developer advocate or uh, data science advocate, AI advocate. Uh, what, what do you do on a daily uh, basis? Like what, what uh, exactly like are, um, what, what does your day-to-day look like? Right, so... Uh, when I'm not traveling or giving talks, uh, when Which I'm in the office, <laughs> when I'm in the office, I'm I'm helping the team uh, with something called model asset exchange, mm-hmm. and the idea behind the, the model asset exchange is we take existing open source deep learning models, as well as we create some our own deep learning models, and we wrap them into Docker containers. So we make the consumption as simple as possible for people who who don't necessarily care or want to learn about deep learning, but they just want to use a REST API Mm -hmm. to a model. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we have, currently we have around 10, 50 models and all you have to do is to clone the repo and run Docker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I'm I'm in the office, I'm helping the team with this piece, uh, and and not only developing new new models, but also like thinking about usability. Thinking about as a data scientist, is this easy to consume? Uh, is the documentation clear? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if if I'm I don't have this technical background, is it easy to understand the process that I need to follow? Okay. Uh, okay, gotcha. Very now now I understand a bit a bit better how that works. Um, yeah. Okay. So this I would say I would say this is like the my developer side. Yeah. And then the advocate side is when I go and talk on conferences, meetups, uh, webinars. Uh, it's it's so the, the the combination of two it's my role. Oh, okay, cool. Wow, fantastic. So uh, talking at conferences is part of your role. That's that's the most exciting thing ever. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it took me a few years to get there, but I got there. <laughs> oh, that's very exciting. Um, okay, wonderful. So uh, and so like when you're developing, you're kind of developing these self-service packages or. Um, I guess, uh, project or not projects like tools that people can use. You just like uh, wrapping things up so that it's it's really easy for them. Is that correct? 
yeah, it's really it's really easy, and and there also the idea it's uh, you know you you want to try things out mm. before deciding if I want to use a model X or Y. Yeah. So that's a, a a way for you to try things out without without the needs of running the models and waiting for the models to run, which can take hours. So, uh, so that's the idea behind the model asset exchange. And also it's a place where right now we are the ones uh, uh, contributing to the, to the exchange, but in the future, mm-hmm. uh, we see this as, is a, is a, is a open market. So people can also, contribute to, oh, to, wow. to this exchange um yeah it's pretty cool so if you google uh if you search model asset exchange you probably the first link is going to be our link uh-huh. uh, and you can check it out wow that's very cool so does that mean that you the things you develop are going to be open stuff open source Oh, everything that we do, it's open source. My team is all open source. So uh, I didn't mention that before, but mm. inside IBM, uh, where my team is located, we are located in a center of open source data and AI mm-hmm. uh, technology. So it's called Codate yeah. from French. So it's center of uh, center of uh, open data and AI technologies. So everything that we do, it's open source. Everything, it's on GitHub. Uh, it's all open. There is no nothing that you cannot replicate or. That's so or, cool. That's uh, that's yeah. so so unusual for a large company. Like a big, uh, like big respect to IBM for doing it that way. Like usually, large companies want to keep everything, you know, <laughs> under pa- patents and trademarks and things like that. But uh, it's really cool. And I'm looking at. Uh, I did Google it, so I'm looking at IBM Code Model <laughs> Asset Exchange now. Very interesting. So you've got a breast cancer, mitosis detector, image colorizer, audio embedding generator, scene classifier, um, sports video classifier, adversarial cryptography, review text generator, object detector, fast neural style transfer, probably using GANs there. Very interesting. Very. Um, I, I highly recommend for people especially interested in deep learning to check this out, especially if it's open source. This is like this is this could be like a, a weekend project. Download one of your models and pull it apart and see what's happening. That's so right. Cool. Yeah, it, it's very cool. Uh, and again, it's it's open. You you go to the website. Uh, it links you to to the GitHub repo with all the instructions that you have to follow. Um, and and one uh, one one fact that. I, I was not aware before joining IBM yeah. is that IBM is one of the top open source contributors wow. of all. Yeah. So uh, I think it's top three. It's maybe like we, we have people contributing to Spark, uh, several projects on Apache. Uh-huh. Uh, there are so many, so many contributions by IBMers. And and when people think about IBM, they think about you know old school, uh, you know big computers, mainframes, and where it's it's not very true anymore. Uh, we are doing uh, developing uh, new things and working with the the latest technologies. 
Wow, that's that's very cool. And I, I'm actually looking. I'm so excited about this. I'm looking at the GitHub repository. <laughs> uh, is it? Uh, and do you guys use? Looks like you use Python and PyTorch for this. Is that right? Yes. So yeah. um, we use PyTorch, Keras. Um, I don't remember what are the others, but yeah, TensorFlow. Um, and now because I have our expertise, I'm I'm doing a few things in R using the Keras API mm. in R and then Shiny, R Shiny. Okay, okay, very interesting. I'm looking at that. Uh, you have a photo of the Golden, uh, is it Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco? And you've done a style transfer on it. Looks really cool. On, in the neural, <laughs> fast neural style transfer. Wow, very interesting. And how it's like you dropped this bombshell at the very end of the podcast. It's like, like you have all this open source so hopefully, you know, it's, it's a big reward for those who listen to the end of the podcast. Now you have a very cool <laughs> repository or asset uh, uh, exchange to look at and use them. And, and the cool thing is that even if you don't want to dig into the deep learning models, like from what I'm seeing on GitHub, it looks like you just run a couple of lines and you can already transfer a style from one image to another. Like it all it takes. Like as you said, it's very easy. Just a couple lines of code and you're done. Yeah, exactly. Only a few minutes and then you are good. Wow, fantastic. Well, um, this actually, Gabriella, brings us to the end of today's podcast. It's been like exciting journey. I'm sure we could keep going, but we've got that one hour limit that we have to hit. Uh, I wanted to thank you so much for coming. And before I let you go, I wanted to also ask you, where is the best places for our listeners to get in touch with you and follow your career? Yeah, so um, they can find me on my website. So it's k-roz.com or they can look for me on Twitter. Uh, it's gdkroz, which is my last name. But if you search for my name, it's going to pop up my, my website, my Twitter, and uh, also check out the Our Ladies website, uh, ourladies.org. Uh, we have a GitHub repo uh, with several resources, uh, projects going on. So if you're interested in learning more about our ladies, uh, don't forget to check the website out. Um, and yeah, that's it. We are all over Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. So yep, question. It's yep, okay for our listeners. That's all the contact information that you need. And is it okay for our listeners to connect with you on LinkedIn? Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. And uh, one more thing I wanted to announce, with your permission, Gabriella. We just before this podcast, we spoke, and Gabriella said that she'd be excited to come to Data Science Go in October this year. Uh, very excited to be hosting you there. Uh, how how are you feeling about this? I am beyond excited. Uh, I was looking at the website the other day and. And all the, the the lineup, it's pretty awesome. Several uh, people that I know from LinkedIn, uh, and people that I that I really respect. So it it's going to be awesome. Fantastic! And you have because you've done like thirteen talks this year already. This is going to be a fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> you have so so many talks to choose from. So that that's what we're going to be doing in the next couple of uh, days or maybe a week or so, picking the the best talk that you can. Uh, bring today's and go very very excited about this um once again 
thank you so much uh, for coming on the show today. I uh, can't wait to see you in uh, San Diego in October. And uh, yeah, let's, let's catch up soon. Awesome. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure in my first podcast. You did very well. I think everybody will agree <laughs> you did a fantastic job. Awesome. Thank you very much. So there you have it. That was Gabriela De Caros, and I really hope you enjoyed this session today. My favorite part was when Gabriela said that there is no failure, there is only feedback. I think those are very, very wise words. And if you're coming to Data Science Go, then make sure to attend Gabriela's session and also uh, find her and say hello and say how much, tell her how much you enjoyed this podcast session today. As usual, all of the show notes will be available at superdatascience.com slash 195. That's superdatascience.com slash 195. There you will find all of the resources that we mentioned, all of the links to Gabriel's projects, including ourladies.org, plus any other things that we talked about. And also you'll find the transcript for this episode. And of course, don't forget to go to that link and then click on Gabriella's LinkedIn profile so you can connect with her and follow her work. On that note, if you know any ladies in ourladies.org, then forward them this episode. If on the other hand, you just know women who are in the space of data science and who could be inspired by hearing Gabriella's story and all these amazing things that are going on in the world right now, then please forward this episode onto them as well. Thank you so much for being here today and I look forward to seeing you back here next time. Until then, happy analyzing.